everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. I'm Keela Cash, and we're back here this week with a brand new episode recapping all things WWE. And by my side, per the usual, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, and Von Wagner's advocate, per the usual, back here on the show, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. I'm happy to be back. I'm really excited to uh, do another show with you, Keela. This is going to be another classic show with another classic week of WWE. Oh, was it ever a classic week of WWE? And speaking of classics, we <laughs> now have... <laughs> he knows the pun I'm about to give out because he's a classic. He's a throwback. He is one of the best third chairmen we have on this show the sexy og himself the sexy og gramps himself back once again paul fontaine welcome back paul hey hey i'm, I'm at least in the top five i'm like i'm right up there with jeremy and and uh steve and uh dan lequeu and uh harry the hamster and whoever <laughs> else you guys get in this third chair don't yes. forget about cj CJ. Oh yeah, CJ. Oh my God. Okay, so me and CJ, we share. We we shared some great luck last week. We won. We won some paper. I think that's what the kids call it. CJ Loki got paid, huh? Oh yeah, not Loki. Oh, he 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 got like five hundred bucks. <laughs> and and I made good. a thousand. That's not bad either. No, no, that's like that's almost as much as we make on the Patreon. <laughs> Hold on, you guys are getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute! Wait you know a minute! You just sounded like you, you guys are getting sounded, paid for this. <laughs> you you sounded exactly like uh, Jaden Smith on uh, just the two of us with that line. <laughs> hey, Dad, how much am I getting paid for this? <laughs> At the end of that song. Oh we're off the rails <laughs> already off the jump paul is one of our favorite people on this show because things tend to get crazy around these parts i think his appearance last time was the moment this show kind of blew up in the best possible ways we had a lot of laughs at someone's expense and paul fontaine might be the only person that really loved the royal rumble because it made him a shitload of money last saturday night Oh, yeah. I, and loved is a very, very strong word, but I had a great time watching it. Yes. In hindsight, this might be one of the greatest WWE pay-per-views of the decade because of the fallout, the behind-the-scenes scoop. Regarding our top our top story, our lead topic this week is Shane McMahon being outed from WWE once again. And it's all over the Men's Warrior Rumble because in the past, Shane has been producing Warrior Rumble matches the last couple of years. He produced a Men's Money in the Bank match last summer. And every time he's produced something, I thought it was pretty good. He's not the lead producer, but he had his hand in the matches and I really enjoyed them. This year though, Shane was on one. Last Saturday, he wanted to be the star of the show. He wanted to be the main attraction. And according to Scoops, courtesy of Fightful Select, he wanted to be a guy that was going to be the central focus heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. He wanted a good number at the Warrior Rumble. He wanted to be spotlighted like nobody else. He wanted to be the Brock Lesnar to the actual Brock Lesnar of this year's Warrior Rumble. And his dad, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, said, no, son, you can't have any of this. You can't have your way. But nonetheless, Shane went out there. He eliminated Kevin Owens. And when that happened, I rarely cuss out Shane on this show. I rarely have anger, but I gave him the F-bomb. I told Shane to take it where the sun doesn't shine because he was just overly focused in this match, throwing potato shots at everybody. It was just a bad look. And 
Brock Lesnar had to clothesline this man twice to get him out of the match. And then we get the fallout the next couple of days regarding a bad attitude problem, ideas being shut down, JB Noble, Jamie Noble being shaded by Shane McMahon, and then all ideas regarding Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania completely gone due to Shane being released from WWE. It should be noted that he does not have an executive role in the company or he does not have any stock in the company. He does not have an official role in the company besides being talent. But when we look at the Men's Warrior Rumble in hindsight, we knew it was a hot-ass mess. Not a lot was happening until Bad Bunny got in the ring at the number 27 spot, I believe. But this was just a rough match and knowing that Shane was trying to really shoehorn his way into WrestleMania season was definitely eye-popping to me. I thought he was kind of even kill, not an egomaniac, but he was definitely on one this past Saturday. So Scott, what are your thoughts on this entire story regarding Shane McMahon really ego tripping during the layout of the Men's Warrior Rumble match? So a couple things. Um, first off, I want to thank Shane McMahon because I think uh, in a couple of years, we are going to have a fantastic episode of Dark Side of the Ring. So, I mean, this, this is just great material for that. Uh, secondly, I, I think Shane is setting himself up to write a book because there's no other reason that you would go in there thinking that, you know, you're freaking Hulk Hogan or, you know, something or the next coming of The Rock or something when you got to remember you're Shane McMahon and he's so used to WWE treating him like Burger King. He can have it his way that they told him, no, we ran out of fries. So you got to have onion rings. He got pissed off. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, that Shane McMahon, what do you expect? He's a McMahon. That guy is so entitled he ain't never been told no in his entire life except for when it comes to his daddy and his daddy pissed him off for the <laughs> final time and now he don't know how to act so this don't i mean this it was only a matter of time the only reason he kept coming back is because i mean look who he, he came back and fought the undertaker who wouldn't come back for that he came back to beat the miz that's my guy of course i'm gonna be pissed off about that and then he just comes back whenever he wants and he just starts eliminating people he gets just to do whatever he wants he looks like superman and he's just punching people literally in the face so um it's for me i really don't care about him in wwe but i would I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been talking about it, and I'm here for it. I would love to see him show up in AEW, even if it's just for one night, a one-off. I think it would get a great rating. I think people would tune in for it. If they advertise that, I think it would get them a fantastic rating on TV. I, I think you, if you want to make good TV, you got to get Shane McMahon on your TV in some way, shape, or form. So um, I don't care about him in WWE anymore because he's useless to WWE, obviously, because he's – obviously lost his mind but as far as him showing up and making an impact on AEW that's something that could really happen that would be a great troll job have him show up and just say hey the last name is the man on this contract guess what I've jumped ship and Shane is really now in the Prince Harry position he will never have the keys to the kingdom he will never succeed the throne of his father we all thought it was Triple H that might not happen now and Shane thought to himself you know what there's an opening. My birthright is still on the line here. I can swoop in and all of my ideas for the Royal Rumble is going to go through because now I am Vince's favorite once again. And Vince says, no, son, none of your ideas work. They all suck. And now you need to realize that Nick Khan is my new son, not you. <laughs> and Shane was just devastated by this news. And I love Shane from five years ago, his return, heading into WrestleMania in Dallas. It was great. The lockbox mystery. We never know what was in the lockbox. We'll never know oh. now. That's a mystery to, to us all. He had a great match at, at WrestleMania 33 against 
AJ Styles in the opening match. I think after that, you kind of peak in terms of what you can do as a top tier performer in WWE by Shane McMahon standards. He was GM of SmackDown. It was a nice run. But as Scott mentioned, the Miz thing, he wins every match, beats Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. The guy got over push being the best in the world. And now I'm done with him. He can't talk as well as he used to. He forgets his lines. He gets blown up too fast. And I'm over him. I crushed on Shane a long time ago. I'm done with him now. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Shane McMahon trying to big time the Men's Warrior Rumble and and basically getting cut because of it? Wow. I mean, this is this is like a, f- a fever dream. Um, you know, like a week ago, well, I guess maybe nine days ago, we'll say, like we didn't even know that Shane McMahon was even going to be a part of this. And then he shows up. And by the time he did, I mean, everybody knew. But, um, you know, even a couple days before, we didn't know. When you guys did a preview show, like Shane McMahon wasn't even in the conversation. And then, you know, he does this. And, and then we find out all this stuff that happened backstage and, you know, the stuff between him and Randy Orton. Um, you know, where Randy was like, you know what, you better get out there, dude, because I'm not going out to here comes the money and your music's <laughs> playing. So get out there. I, I mean, that was great. And then, like, I almost wonder if that didn't have something to do with Randy not being on Raw and not being a part of the Elimination Chamber. And if there's there's more coming out about that, like, I don't know. But I'm I'm with Scott. Like, I think for Shane, like, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would be so like stoked if it did um and just the idea of shane being a part of AEW, if and when they surpass wwe after all these years of you know him wanting to be the heir apparent and him wanting to have his own company and he was going to have wcw and he wanted to buy ufc and all this these things that he wanted to do and vince put the kibosh on them then he goes to the competition and helps them defeat WWE like that would be the ultimate FU to his dad to the company and then for Tony Khan like to be able to have a McMahon on his payroll when he surpasses WWE in the ratings like not just like 18 to 49 but like if they were ever to do it for total viewers which you know the the way they're going I mean eventually it'll probably happen so uh, if Shane's a part of it like wow um yeah I'm uh what what a week for uh Shane O'Mac and uh I, yeah, I mean, the best is yet to come, I think. This is great. And the sad part is this will never be a part of the WWE 24 documentary series. We will never know the uncut version of the true Warrior Rumble story. This is a masterpiece of holy shit. This really happened. And if we look back on this match, you can see exactly when things fell apart when Shane got in there. But as Paul mentioned, there is a high level idea I have now. If Shane McMahon joins AEW... I think there might be an EVP spot he can take from Cody Rhodes. And Tony can say, you know what, Cody? Shane's my EVP now. He's the real guy in charge around these parts. I would love it. (laughs) This wrestling succession game is so much fun. Roll that for Rose to the Top. Season two, when Shane takes Cody's job. Oh, heavenly. Wow. I'm I'm here for that, too. Yeah, I, I, I would just in my mind making the parallels between the succession characters and, you know, trying to figure out who's who. Yes. ESPN needs to do like a 10 part documentary on WWE and AEW, the succession game series. It's just phenomenal. And Shane McMahon is right in the middle of it. He has nothing to lose at this point. He's never going to be running his dad's company. It's a wrap. Jump to AEW, make a difference. But I think 
based on what he did at the Rumble, you might want to keep this guy on a tight leash in terms of what he wants to do because he has some outlandish ideas. And the one thing you don't want to do is have Shane make it all about himself at the end of the day. But knowing Tony Khan, that ain't going to happen. He's going to keep him in check. And now we move on to the fallout from the Royal Rumble via Monday Night Raw, which went down live on USA. And it was basically the Brock Lesnar show once again. He was ready to go, suited and booted in his gear to beat Bobby Lashley for a shot at the WWE Championship once again. But instead, he gets gifted a slot in the Elimination Chamber match. And I think alarm bells might have went off for me because up until this point, there was no suggestion that this was going to be a title for title situation at WrestleMania as Brock Lesnar has picked up, I believe he picked up the chance to select Roman Reigns for a shot at the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. And when that happened, he wants a shot at, how can I say this? He wants a shot at Roman Reigns, but he also wants to get back a, uh, he wants to get back at Bobby Lashley as well for the WWE Championship. And now we have this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view coming up in a couple of weeks' time in Saudi Arabia. And I know fans do not want to see all the championships held up via Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at the biggest show of the year. So are we being paranoid saying, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea by WWE? Because they want to make this the biggest match possible. Roman versus Brock, title for title. I'm mixed on it because if Roman happens to win all the belts, that means that he would have to lose one at one point, which would suck. On the other hand, Brock isn't going to be winning two championships at the biggest show of the year. I highly doubt that. But is this a good strategy by WWE Paul to say, hey, let's give the fans the biggest match possible, title for title, let's ice out a championship on Monday Night Raw, move it to SmackDown for about a month or so or longer if Roman does become a double champion at WrestleMania? I actually think this is a good idea. Number one, because it's a it's a good match, and it's something that a lot of people have wanted for years to have these titles unified. Um, but the other thing is that if you were to have a second, you know, a Raw title match at WrestleMania, it's going to it's not going to be the main event of either night because the other main event is going to be Ronda and Charlotte. So we're what we're actually going to have is a WWE title match that'll be on the undercard of one of the two nights of WrestleMania. So it's either going to be underneath the Universal title match or it's going to be underneath the women's uh, SmackDown title match. And I don't think either one of those is a very good um, thing for that title. Um, it's already kind of a secondary belt, and now it would be even more so of one. So to have, you know, and, and especially if Roman wins, and then he could be a traveling champion that goes between both brands and defending, you know, against different people. I think that's something that we've all wanted for a long time so the only other thing that they could do and i actually like this idea and they're not going to do it because i like it but it would be to have two title matches on night one and then have the two winners face off on night two for the unified belt but the the problem with that is then ronda doesn't get her main event and uh i don't you know so that that's why i don't think that'll happen but i think that would be be better than what they're planning but i, I do like what they are planning or what it seems like they're planning yeah, I thought that if somebody won the Warrior Rumble other than Brock Lesnar, then you can have that person ask for the winner for night two, but that's not going to happen due to Ronda having night one pretty much on lockdown. A very tough situation, but I'm just kind of mixed on this whole idea of just holding up titles for a month or more and Roman being a double champ is not a bad idea. He does get to float around, but eventually he would have to drop one of those belts to somebody. And you want that loss to really mean something at some point. If that's the end game, by all means, do it. But it has to make sense at the end of the day. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the prospects 
of not only Brock Lesnar winning at Elimination Chamber to regain the WWE Championship, but the thought of Bobby Lashley winning at the Warrior Rumble and losing his championship less than three weeks later, that's not exactly a good luck in hindsight. So, I, man, I, I do like the idea that Paul laid out because it makes the titles feel more important when it's, there's one champion going back and forth, and it'll make whenever that person does beat Roman Reigns, it'll make that, you know, they're the, they're clearly the guy. The only problem I have with it is with having the two titles, we've been able to have Bobby Lashley this year. This Bobby Lashley doesn't happen if there's only one champion on both brands. So, you know, I, I think I'm against it because I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed what Bobby Lashley has brought to the table. And I, I think Bobby Lashley should be in the main event again of WrestleMania. And I, I get the logic that, you know, if you're not closing the show out, you're not the main event. Well, and there's something to that. And then I think you need to go on first then. You know, if you're not if you're not going to main event, then just go on, open the show then. You know you know what I mean? Just open the show because that's where the crowd's going to be the hottest anyway. They're going to be most excited. So you'll have the, the best crowd right there. Um, so just like they did last year with uh, with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, I think they opened one of the nights, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, so I... I actually I'm against it only because I just think there's more opportunity with two champions and I think that we've shown we can still have this dominant champion. Yeah, there are levels to it, but it's still the man who makes the belt. When Brock had the WWE championship, it felt on the same level as Roman with the Universal Championship because of who held it. So I still think it's just all about who's going to hold that belt. And I think the way they've booked Bobby he, he, you can't just keep taking the title off of him. He's, you have, you have a great talent right here who's booked well that people believe as a killer. You got to keep that mystique somehow. And him beating Brock, you've got to keep that and save Brock getting his comeuppance for down the road at some point, but not, not right now. It's too soon. Agreed. And the lineup is stellar. You got Brock, you got Bobby, you got AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory's in the mix as well. You got Riddle. This on paper looks like a fantastic Elimination Chamber match. It's not impossible for somebody to take out Brock once again in order for him not to be the champion, but you don't want to have him lose in back-to-back matches heading into WrestleMania. So I do kind of see a title change. I feel for Bobby because what's he going to do at WrestleMania? Without a championship, it just really makes the Raw side look so thin in terms of we ain't got nothing to do basically for night one. No championship to fight for. And that kind of dilutes Brock's win at the Warrior Rumble because why did he need to win the championship in order to get to WrestleMania? Why do you have to win the Rumble in order to get to WrestleMania too? It's like pick one or the other. It is kind of overcomplicated things for me, which they tend to do every year around this time heading into WrestleMania season because somebody – that needed the rub a bit more, could have won the Rumble. And as you mentioned, Scott, have them do the opening match of night two of WrestleMania. And then that way you have the hottest match of the night. You're not going to be worried about getting tired in terms of fan reaction during the main event. And you're good to go. But of course, we'll see how it plays out regarding how they kind of construct this chamber match. Who comes out on top? Hopefully Bobby. But knowing WWE, this might be title for title at WrestleMania between Brock and Roman. And and after all this time, it will be an overmatch, but maybe it's a bit too much in terms of title versus title. And now we got to talk about one Dominic Mysterio. And I feel like this guy has been through it recently regarding a lot of people 
on the come up from NXT 2.0 all the way to AEW. When you think about Braun Breaker, when you think about Hook, you think about guys that are that are future pillars of this industry. And Dominic Mysterio debuted in WWE in 2019, getting beat down by Brock Lesnar. Then he had a really impressive showing at SummerSlam of 2020 against Seth Rollins. And he had main events loss against Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins at various points of Monday Night Raw during the height of the Thunderdome era. But since then, he's been a one-time SmackDown Tag Team Champion alongside his father, Rey Mysterio. And since then, losses, tension with his dad, maybe some Warrior Rumble tension that never played up because Vince forgot how to book the Warrior Rumble and playing off storylines on television. And then we get to Monday Night Raw when Dominic loses to Scott's favorite guy, The Miz. That made me sad. The way he lost was just pitiful. And... It's been simmering for a bit, this tension between Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Will they or won't they? Will one betray the other? Will they have a WrestleMania match? Will Rey give his mask to his son and say, you are a true Mysterio at long last? And when we see the talents of a bond breaker and a hook on AEW, and you see Dominic, do you feel he's a bit behind the curve based on what he's been doing thus far in WWE? What can WWE do to really say we're basing, we're basing our future on the youth of our division, such as a Austin Theory and a Dominic Mysterio. At this point, Austin Theory's done more than Dominic because he's in a, pre a premier spot at the Elimination Chamber and Dominic's losing to The Miz in two minutes or less. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on your boy, Dominic Mysterio, losing to your other guy, The Miz, or should I say winning or losing? Yeah, losing to The Miz on Monday Night Raw. And what can WWE do to really make Dominic Mysterio a future pillar in their division on, on, on the main event scene level, so to speak. So a, a couple of things with this, because I am, I'm actually a fan of Dominic Mysterio and I, I like, I've been a fan of the presentation of him in that they haven't, he hasn't been like this killer, you know, he hasn't been this guy that's come in highly touted and just been kind of going through people. He's had a rocky road. He's been beat down. He's taken some losses. And I, I think it's important that, you know, Hook and Braun Breaker and Dante Martin and guys like that, those are just guys who are just who just get it and got it quick and just have something special. Like you just can't teach what they got. You know, like Braun Breaker just has the natural I mean, he just has natural instincts in the ring and we'll talk about it when we get to the NXT part, but he's a natural hook just has something to him where you're like when he's on the screen, you're like, All right, let me see what this guy's gonna do. Um and and I think Dominic's been presented as just kind of, just he's he's working his way up, and I, I actually like the struggles that he's taken. Um, I think he's improved a lot from his first match with Seth Rollins. You know, you talk about those main events with Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins and stuff like that. I think that's helped him a lot, and I I would think the best course for him is to stay in this tag team for another year or so. Like, there's no need to rush this breakup or anything. So I'm I'm here for Dominic. And Ray staying together because I like the tag team. Yeah, I agree with you. Austin Theory has 100% eclipsed him, but that's another. He's he's just picked it up faster. But that doesn't mean you, I don't think we should kind of compare Dominic to the others because I I don't want to rush him because I I like what they've done with him so far. I like this slow build because he has gotten better. He's gotten more confident. His promos are more confident. Just little things like that. And I like this story that they've been telling with Rey Mysterio and, and Dominic. Now, obviously, the Rumble, 
you know, Shane McMahon came in and was like, listen, there only can be one father-son drama in this show, and it's going to be me and my dad, so you two can't have that. So that's why that moment didn't happen. So he was like, so we're going to throw you out early, and then we'll get to Ray later. So that's that's why that didn't happen, just so everyone knows, so we can clear that up. But I, I, I like what they've done with Dominic. I, I like that he hasn't been this killer, because he's not ready for that yet, but I do think that they've presented him in a way where he's a believable guy now because he's picked up some big wins, but he's still at the level where if he gets beat by a Miz, it's like, yeah, I can kind of see that. And I will say, I actually like the finish of that match of Miz acting like Mysterio tripped him up. And, you know, I don't think the ref, I think the ref was quick to throw him out, but I think that's where the Miz should have hit him with the skull crushing finale instead of him actually being thrown out. And you kind of could have did that a little bit quicker. Um, but besides that, I, I do like the presentation of Dominic. Do I think he could be a pillar? No, I don't think you could build around him, but I think he's a nice addition and a nice person to have on the roster and i think that's okay to not for him not to be a pillar you build around in my opinion let's see ray might have made a mistake resigning he thought he was going to build his son up for a brighter future <laughs> he's not going to be a pillar he's not going to be a foundational piece i think he could, i think he could be a great portrait on the wall i just don't think he could be a pillar that's holding that wall up I, and that's okay that's okay right like you need those portraits on the wall to bring out the, the building right you need that <laughs> so he's basically the nail you like really hammer in the wall and you pick a nice frame of his father in the, the pillar and then bam, that's as far as it goes, right? So that's that's the limit for Dominic Mysterio. Wow. I'm not begrudging you at all for that, but Scott basically said this isn't going to be the brightest future for young Dominic Mysterio. So Paul, what are your thoughts on the presentation of Dominic Mysterio in WWE thus far. He had a pretty good first year or so, but I think the last six months have been very so-so in terms of his push and his presentation. Yeah, I, I, oh, Scott, uh, we, we lost Scott for a second here. Hopefully he's back, but, but luckily he won't hear me say I, I disagree with what he's saying about being a fan of what they've done with him so far. Um, I, I just looked it up and he has not had a win on TV, like a singles win since May of last year. Um, over Bobby Roode. So, um, you know, like he loses a lot. He's just not, like there's no um, consistency with with his storylines. And, and so it's not even just the wins and the losses, but it's like there's no direction. Or if there is a direction that it seems like they're going, they just, there's no follow through. And so, I mean, you know, we thought we were getting, uh, you know, this father-son breakup and then we weren't and then we were and then we weren't and then we were. And then, you know, they were teasing that they were going to do something in the Royal Rumble and then they didn't do it. And then you just had this match on Raw where he just looked like a complete idiot. Um, and Miz, I mean, that that was like one of the worst matches that I've seen between two good workers in I don't even know how long. Like, you, you know, that went any length of time that I just thought it was horrible. And it's funny because I, I listen to a lot of podcasts where they'll, you know, go over raw and stuff and they'll say, Oh yeah, you know, the match wasn't that bad. And then they'll just move on or whatever. But that match was not good at all. Um, and, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I just don't know. And I like, if I didn't know any better, I'd almost think that they're punishing him because they don't like Ray and I don't even know why they don't like Ray, but you know, like Ray signed with them so that his son could get a job. And now they're like, 
they're just making his son look like an idiot. So I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really down. And yeah, I mean, Austin Theory has definitely surpassed him. And uh, I mean, it's never too late. And if they decide they want to push him, they can give him like two months of wins and then he'll be, he'll be fine. But right now I'm just not a fan. No. And in your absence, Scott, Paul says the Miz <laughs> sucks just for the record. <laughs> I I, th- I think I think Ray Mysterio heard me and must have came and hacked my uh, <laughs> hacked my internet because uh, all I heard was six one nine booyaka and then my computer turned off so I had to turn that back on <laughs> so I don't know exactly what happened there I was kind of praising his son I said he was this beautiful portrait on the wall and next thing I know I hear booyaka and then my computer turned off so sorry about that everybody I'm back though that that Scott I know you love the Miz but that match on Raw sucked no no, no it, it was, was it was awful. not a, it was it was not a good match i do i did like the finish yeah, though okay. but the, the match you. was the match was oh. not good because i mean it was two minutes and they didn't do anything and the miz can't be asked to carry somebody to a good match that's just not what the miz does yeah. oh but. ray ray thank you for that six <laughs> no yeah right because after 20 20 <laughs> years of doing this he's he's just he, you cannot you can't expect him to carry a rookie <laughs> 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 hey, hey so look a couple things couple things here's what we're not gonna do here's what we're not gonna do right we ain't gonna be throwing shade at the miz like that what would the miz do what what mike do to get this type of shade tonight huh why he getting the von wagner treatment what's going on with oh that? you know what i think he's doing just fine he's probably cuddling up next to Maurice right about now yes living his best <laughs> life yeah but meanwhile thank you ray mysterio from wherever you came from to say oh my son's not a pillar unplug this shit right now Mm-mm. no we're good that was great thank you ray ray thank you ray mysterio for that 619 all day so that's what you get for talking shit about Dominic. He says, Mm-mm, I did not sacrifice my son's golden years for him not to be a goddamn pillar. He's going to be something one day. Might not be today, but one day soon he's going to be something. A pillar. Not just a frame on a wall, but we'll see. Ray Mysterio WWE. says, y'all, did y'all forget McMahon. that I was in the main event of that all-out pay-per-view? I was there. Of the very first one, I was there. <laughs> Don't forget about that. Yes. I, I got a spot waiting a on pillar. me. Pillar. Yes. He was a pillar. He could have been a pillar. He could have been, been, been a pillar. Yeah. He, he could have been a pillar. He was a founding father of AEW, a founding father, a founding member of AEW. And Shane McMahon is going to be a founding pillar of whatever <laughs> the AEW EVP foundation is going to be very soon as we continue these succession games. As we segue to the main event of Monday Night Raw, let's just skip Ronda Rousey because we'll get to her on SmackDown momentarily because. I don't recognize the Ronda Rousey on Monday Night Raw versus the one we saw on SmackDown. That reminded me of 2018, 2019 Ronda Rousey at her peak in WWE. But the main topic is going to be one of the high-profile matches at Elimination Chamber going down next Saturday in Saudi Arabia, which will feature, I believe, Lita versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Lita comes out there to a bigger reaction than Ronda Rousey. And she basically tricks Becky Lynch to a matchup. And I'm happy for Lita because, you know, we should never get the proper retirement tour during her original run from, I think, 99 to 06. It was a very tumultuous time during that last year or so, between 05 and 06. And now she gets to come back. She is a Hall of Famer. She's had some moments in WWE at the first Royal Rumble and Evolution nearly four years ago now. But I think this is a nice spot for Lita. The money's right. It's going to be a nice spotlight for her and Becky Lynch. It's going to be quite the battle to fight with limitations in Saudi Arabia, but I'm into it nonetheless. So 
Scott, what are your thoughts on Lita getting this prime spot heading into the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view against, um, against Becky Lynch? I would have liked to see her be featured a little bit more prominently in the Women's Royal Rumble. You know, maybe have her have a few more eliminations instead of, I think she only eliminated Mickey James, if I remember correctly. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, but I, I would have liked to see that. But I, I think this is really cool. This is a, a good match for the Elimination Chamber because um, we know Lita's not winning the Raw Women's Championship. But this is a nice match to have there. This would be a nice notch in Becky Lynch's belt. Um, this would be... If Becky Lynch can't be a great heel against Lita, then we need to... I mean, this this heel run should be over anyway, but if we can't get a good heel match out of Becky Lynch here, I don't know if we're going to get it. Like, And I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been very impressed with Becky Lynch in, in the ring since her return, and I don't know if it's her playing heel, and I, I might have talked about this last week. I don't remember. I don't know if it's her playing heel or or what it is, but I, I just haven't been really that intrigued outside of the Bianca Belair matches. Um, so I, this would be kind of a test because she's really going to have to carry things in this match and she's going to have to have her working boots on and be ready to, to really bump well for Lita and protect Lita. So, you know, match quality, I'm kind of worried about it. I hope it's good, but Becky Lynch hasn't really been doing it for me in the ring. Yeah, it's been kind of touch and go as of late, and she's better off as a baby face. She's going to be a heel all through WrestleMania season for reasons I don't understand. It's hurting her push. It's hurting everybody else that goes against her. But I will say that if Becky Lynch takes a better twist of faith in Charlotte Flair than on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago, then this would be a very good match. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Lita having one more good farewell run in WWE via this championship match against Becky Lynch at Elimination Chamber? Well, like Scott with The Miz, I, I don't really put up with people throwing shade at, at um, Miss Rebecca. So I, I got to get that out of the way here. Um, and I will say, I will say that there are there there's reasons why she probably hasn't looked that great, um, and that have nothing to do with uh, being a heel or not being a heel. Um, now that said, I will agree that, you know, she's much better suited as a baby face, but this dynamic, like, so Keela, you brought up Rhonda and, and I have a theory. Um, you know, I think that what happened was they, they told her, okay, this is what you're going to do. And she looked at the script and she's like, wait a minute, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to talk about Becky and we're going to tease a match that's not going to happen. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just go out there and do it. And she's like, fuck this and i think went out there and we got what we got because i mean she clearly wasn't interested and it made no sense you know that they're building up this match that might happen in 14 months but it's not happening anytime soon um but then as soon as she left out came lita and the mood changed i mean the crowd was like super into lita lita looks great she still works just as good as she ever did maybe better you know, cause she was always kind of a sloppy worker and she's probably learned a lot over the years and she's going to be in there with one of the best. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the limitations, I mean, I keep expecting one of these years, they're just going to show up and they're going to be allowed to wrestle in their normal gear. Um, because I mean, other entertainment outlets do that. So eventually I think it'll happen. And then when it does, you know, Stephanie McMahon can claim that she's, uh, you know, um, uh, created gender equality in <laughs> in the, uh, the Middle East, and that'll be another notch on her Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame resume. Uh, but um, the you know, so I do think, but even even if they do have to wrestle in the baggy clothes and everything, like uh, you know, that's probably 
they're going to have a great, a good match probably. And the crowd will be super into it. Lita's a legend. Um, you know, I, it's funny, like if the Prince was a big fan of Lita and wanted her there, you'd think he'd want Lita with her thong out, but I guess maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and maybe, you know what, maybe we get like Lita and Trish coming back at Mania and doing something. I heard rumblings of, you know, them two against a couple big current stars. So maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't, but, uh, it would be cool if it did. I would hope so. I think I know where you're going with that. I hope that happens because that would be a nice way to ease the yes. blow from people not being a part of major championship matches this go around for WrestleMania. I hope that happens. Use your legends properly and that matchup would be great to see if it comes to fruition. I'm very happy for Lita though. This is a nice way to take a bow this time around versus what happened well over 15 years ago which wasn't the best exit. No fault of her own but that was WWE being high level petty in more ways than one. <laughs> as we make that smooth transition to NXT 2.0 and we kick things off with the debuting Gunther officially and the fans at the PC says no it's not his name is not Gunther his mama named him Walter so we're going to call him that throughout this match and the announcers tried their best to cover it up saying he's named after his grandfather no he's not his mama named him Walter that is his government name and they chanted for that and I loved it so you know what? I have to get used to the name. I said I would give it up until like the beginning of February. I will now call him Gunther. I'm going to live with that decision for the rest of my life because it is what it is. Oh, what is that? Sorry. What is this? Nothing. Don't that, worry about that was that was I Gunther was calling. Like a, I th- no. <laughs> I that was, that was, was, was Gunther. <laughs> I thought Paul was like Rick rolling me with a Gunther joke. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, I wasn't. Because <laughs> I can't trust Paul because Paul trolls me every time he's on this show. So his intentions, I never know with him, but I believe him in this case. It was a miscue. We'll just leave it there. All right. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Shane's Royal Rumble plans, yeah. that was not a miscue. Yeah, it was. It was one. It was one. Uh, it was. It was one spot too early. <laughs> That's what Randy told him. Get your ass out there, son. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. But yeah, so Gunther makes his debut. He has a great match alongside Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, who are shredded, by the way, as NXT Tag Team Champions against the Creed Brothers and Roderick Strong. A very fun opener to NXT 2.0 this week. The fans are into it. The Creed Brothers look great because Walter, sorry, Gunther, is not going to have none of that green shit. He's going to beat the green out of you and make you look good, which he did for Brutus Creed especially. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Gunther? That's his name now. <laughs> forever apparently but we'll deal with it but what are your thoughts on a new and improved gunther on 2.0 uh, so, so what i loved you know the show opened and uh you know imperium's music starts and they come down to the ring and those mutants at full sail who will do whatever they're told whenever they're told you know just to be because they're happy to be part of the show just all they did was chant walter like I, I just loved it because they always do what they're told except for here because they're not having none of this gunther um you know they know it's walter now the other thing i loved so this was probably the worst like walter slash gunther match i've maybe ever seen except i still loved it because i mean he's in there with the creed brothers who are you know green as grass and he just like he just figured that out right away and just like okay well if if i can't have a good wrestling match with them i'm just gonna beat these guys up and see if they can keep up with me and and i like i loved it 
Like I just, I, and these guys are going to get better as a result of it. And if we have this match again in, in a year, you know, on the main roster or, you know, maybe if they're still in NXT or whatever, like it's going to be a great match because those guys are going to get better working with a guy like Walter because he can work any style and they, and they're legit. Like the, these guys are really good, you know, at wrestling. They're just not, you know, they're green at professional wrestling. So, and then, you know, you had Roderick Strong in there to kind of hold things together, but uh yeah i had a lot of fun watching that match and and just especially when it was you know gunther in there with one of those two creeds yes it was a blast to watch so scott what are your thoughts on gunther's official debut on nxt 2.0 we had a lively discussion a couple of weeks ago regarding the name change thank god that they dropped the trademark on what it could have been but it's still walter to me I'm going to be real careful what I say about somebody else in WWE because who knows who else might try to hack my internet. I don't want to get kicked off again. So let me be real careful about what I say about Gunther here. Um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed the match. I, um, I, I, I enjoy the Diamond Mine group a lot. I enjoy that dynamic. I think they have a good mix of people. I think Ivy brings a great look to them. Um, I, I think she looks fantastic beside all of them. She looks like she could go and break somebody in half at any point in time. Roderick Strong's a great leader, great veteran presence. The Creed brothers, like you said, Paul, they're going to be, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for a while because they seem to be picking things up really quick. They have the legitimacy to them. And I thoroughly enjoyed when the ending of the match, really, when Walter just powerbombed that dude and then really <laughs> laid on top of that guy. I mean, put all of his weight on his neck and shoulders and was like, I wish you would try to kick out of this one right here. I dare you to try to kick out of that. And it just, the ending of the match, and maybe it is what you said, Paul. Maybe he just was like, yo, what is going on with these guys? Is this what they doing? All right. Because it looked like he just legit got pissed off and was like, I'm just going to start slapping the hell out of everybody. And when I say it's time to go, I'm dropping you on your head and I'm going to sit on your head for the one, two, three. And, and that's what it looked like, to be honest with you. And that's how... Well, that's how Gunther should be presented. You know, in all in all seriousness, like that's how he should be presented. When it's time to go home and it's time to, you know, all right, let's get serious. They should tag in Walter. He runs through everybody, hits the big move. We go home. Like that's legit how they should be presented. So I I actually really enjoyed that. Um, good way to start the show off. Yeah. For sure. Nice smash mouth wrestling from Imperium and the Diamond Mine, which are going to be a great faction very soon with Malcolm Bivens leading the crew and his facial expressions at ringside was great. And one day I do hope really soon that Malcolm might jump ship and represent Walter. That would be incredible television oh. to watch. That would be <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, just for wow. the jokes alone, that would be amazing. I, I, Paul Heyman has to make a trip down to NXT, right? Paul Heyman has to make a trip down to NXT just to have a face-to-face with Bivens. Oh. oh I mean, it has God. to happen, right? That would be right? fantastic. Well, Paul, see, if he didn't get fired by Roman Reigns and stayed fired, maybe would have went down there to say, you know what, maybe I can look oh, for the prospects. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> great. Been but great. they opted not to go in that direction. But Malcolm Bivens and Paul Heyman and at Trick Williams to the mix – that oh. three-way conversation <laughs> oh my god would be That's great. great television oh my goodness maybe it happens on the main yeah. roster someday but that would be must-see television what's not must-see tv is the bad <laughs> romances on this show as of late now i have said this on this show recently that we have now devolved into nxt 
the new class, NXT University. <laughs> it's like Saved by the Bell, the college years, but even worse because we have all of these relationships jumbled together because they're trying to recapture the magic, the chemistry, the unique oddballness of Index from last year, Indy Harwell and Dexter Loomis. That is something you cannot duplicate, replicate because that was based on great chemistry and quirky fun. I don't want to see Brooks and Dunn court Casey Canzaro and Caden Carter. I don't want to see Persia Parada lusting after Duke Hudson. They have no chemistry. We went through that with Zion Quinn and Electra Lopez. They had zero negative chemistry. So what are we doing here? And I love me a good romance, but all of these romances are so bad. We got Malik Blade crushing after Mandy Rose. He had five seconds of glory and his hand was so close to an area he was not supposed to be touching, but he avoided disaster. Thank goodness. But I'm just not into it. And I love me a good romance. I love my soap operas. I'm a big GH fan. And there are some couples on the show. that You go on soap Twitter and they're all in and it's fun. I'm not going off on any romances on NXT 2.0. I'm not into it. If they think this is what the kids are watching, no. They have The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. They have 90 Day Fiance. They have better shows on Netflix, Love is Blind, better than what you're doing on 2.0 in terms of relationships. And what can Bruce Pritchard tell me about a relationship in 2022? Not a damn thing. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on all of the romance, all the horniness on this show that is driving me absolutely crazy? That's where this music was supposed to come in. (laughs) You recognize that? Oh, yes. I knew it. I knew this is a troll job. I knew it. So yeah, I mean, at least we didn't get at least we didn't get Gunther trying to hook up with his ex, uh, Zoe. Um, Don't speak it into existence. That would have just made yeah. That would have just made the internet blow up. Um, You know, and yeah, Malik the Geek. Um, that's his new name uh, on my book. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't care if he has a last name. He's going to be Malik the Geek from from now on. Um, you know, and I'm just glad too they didn't stick Ivy into you know some sort of a romance role because I mean, she looks good as like the ass kicker, but I mean, whenever she has to show any kind of like emotion, she just looks confused. Um, yeah, I you know, I don't know why they're doing this because, like you said, they had a good thing going there with um, Index, and they're both still there, and they just kind of hint at it every once in a while, you know, but once a month. Uh, the axe murderer shows up and makes some goofy faces and Indy fawns over him and then we don't see them again. And that's like the only good thing they have. But yet they're trying to force feed us all this crap and just like none of it's working. Um, And, uh, you know, and and surely like they got to be able to see that. They monitor social media. They should be able to tell and uh, and and it's just not happening. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Keila. I, I like a good romance, you know. Otis and Mandy, you know, was great, and uh, you know, and like that's probably about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Know, you know that <laughs> index, and you know, just leave well enough alone, and and let's just sh- show us some wrestling. Yes, and if you're going to pursue these kind of relationships, make sure the people you're pairing up have chemistry let them go out to dinner let them get to know each other a bit better form that chemistry i will say if ivy now were to ever look at anybody look at marcel bartel just saying that's a nice person to look at they would stare and they would work out together malcolm bivens would lose his mind for her joining the enemy but scott what are your thoughts on all of these bad romances happening on 2.0 with people that have zero chemistry together most of the time 
That feels like I'm watching the CW. You know, you have your uh, your Riverdale with your <laughs> Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis because you got serial killers dating the main. You know, the the young the young lass that is is trying to become a become a champion in her craft. And then you go into your you know your superhero type stuff when you when you got your your Bron Breakers and your Tommaso Champas. Even they're in they're having a can they coexist relationship? Even they have a relationship going on. So everybody's got some type of romance going on because uh, you know Champa is definitely in a relationship with the NXT championship. So there's all types of romances going on and it's just the CW network. It just depends what night you turn into to see what channel and what show you're going to get. Um, I think they all suck to be honest with you. I don't want to see any more of them. Uh, this is, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather watch Von Wagner uh, cut a promo than hear see any more of these <laughs> bad romances because they're just not good, man. I got and, and I do appreciate that the Brooks and Dunn name has, has stuck as well. I, I, I'm really happy about that. Um, I think we should actually try to get them to change their name to Brooks and Dunn at this point. Um, yeah, let's just let's just end these bad romances. Let Dexter and Indy be the only one because it's the only one that's working. And as far as your boy Malik, like. That boy really got excited. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate Wade Barrett throwing in the stiffen, stiffening up line afterwards on commentary. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff because I, I did appreciate that because I didn't think he was going to throw it in there. But I was like, you have to. Somebody has to say it. Somebody no, has no. to do I it. I need a minute. Like, come on, dude. Are you serious? Like, are you serious? <laughs> really? What did she do and, that and you his- needed a minute for? And his buddy Idris has like never seen an erection or experienced one, so he didn't know what was going on. And he's like, "Let's go get her!" Like, what you gonna do? What are you gonna go do? He said, "Let's go get him." What are you gonna do? You had him right there, and you ain't say a word to him, but you gonna go get him and say something to her now that she got a bat. What you gonna go do? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you you know, I got Gigi and JC. You take Mandy. (laughs) Like this. Horny hours on NXT 2.0. Every hour about 9 o'clock, the horniness really reaches a peak. And they think this is going to engage a younger audience. No, I have other shows for that. And I even watch those other shows. I watch CW sparingly. This is the WB level of Felicity and Dawson's Creek from back in the 90s bad. And they had more depth than whatever we're seeing on 2.0. So if I need to get my fix, I watch Joey and Pacey and... And I guess Dawson was This pacing, was like screech you know? on, uh, you know, like Malik is screech. Oh, well, oh I mean, Lord. I guess the, I guess the competition is stiffening up at that time. So they got oh. to they got to really try to harden things up and, and, and really try to get on the up and up to try to, you know, make sure that they're at the tippy top of their game. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That was like five puns rolled into one. Just right at the tip. Right at the tip. Y'all. So we also offer safe sex lessons on the rap here because, you know. The rap. Hey. I, you know, there it is. What, <laughs> I mean, what, brought to you by Trojan. Yes, it's what we do here. Because if NXT is gonna go horny, only we can offer that promotional sponsorship to say, hey, at least do it safe, children. At least do it safe on a regular basis to all of our NXT fans out there and the people on NXT that tend to just get horny all week long hey, for some can reason. I, can I can I keep it real for just one second yes. though? If Mandy just all of a sudden fell into my lap wearing what she was wearing, I might need a minute too. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Paul. Paul. Hey, I'm old. I'm old, but I'm not dead. So you are that. So you are that top, that target demographic that they're reaching. Look at her. I mean, like, yes. I mean, I mean, she is a very beautiful woman. Yeah. With I mean, acting limitations, but she's well, a very beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah, and that was before she got uh, uh, spaghetti and and thrown in her hair and cake that somehow oh, completely missed her. Boy. Yes, she blocked <laughs> the cake. Oh my Worst goodness! Worst food fight I've ever seen. Yes, really. That's really the bad. moment that's going to get clipped from this, and people are, you know, so just so you you know, now you got something that people can make fun of of me, and they won't be making fun of you too. So. Duly noted, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you're going to get over with this segment. Believe that. <laughs> now. I got to take a deep breath here because Scott, he he has a friend in Von Wagner and we talk about him extensively on this show. I have an enemy in Tiffany Stratton because I hate this goddamn character. Every bit of me cannot stand this character. I'm glad we covered the Warrior Bumble last week because I would have lost my mind covering her match with Io Shirai, which wasn't bad. But the audible screaming and the yelling and the daddy, all of this stuff is like, what is this? She is an Olympian. She was a part of the gymnastics team as a reserve, as an alternate, but she's still on the Olympics team. I want to get to know that Tiffany Stratton, the gymnast, the aerial dynamics of Tiffany Stratton should be on display. Not this clueless, legally blonde wannabe that offers nothing in terms of depth and substance on this show. And I cannot stand it. And now we have to see her in a match against Wendy Chu next Tuesday on Sci-Fi. Dear God Almighty, may Wendy carry her to a good match. We shall see about this. But this is a classic case of WWE slapping another one-dimensional character at someone who would be so much more over as being an Olympian. If Simone Biles ever signed with WWE, can you imagine saying, hey, Simone, you're no longer Simone Biles. You're someone else, and you're not a gymnast, and now you're just some kind of ritzy girl from clueless like they would never do that but they've already done it to gable steveson brother so they're not related anymore he's just a kip and he's a steveson so they can really wipe away everything that makes you special including whatever the hell this is with tiffany stratton so scott what are your thoughts on tiffany stratton daddy's girl spending her daddy's money on the amex black card it's not good um i could definitely start off with that uh i i don't like it i you know, I it it the character just doesn't fit her. Like she she I mean, I'm not saying she's old, but she looks too old to be talking about being daddy's little girl and you know, saying, Let's go buy things on daddy's credit card. Like, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's not for me. She's not working for me. Um, her and this Ariana thing, I don't know what's going on with that. So I you know, and now now you got Wendy Chu. She's just sleeping on people's legs in matches, and Tiffany's getting upset, so she wants to go buy everybody pillows. So I don't know what's really going on with this entire storyline. <laughs> um, all I know is I'm trying to get a pillow that Wendy Chu is about to go spend this money on because she got the card now. So I'm just trying to get a pillow too because I know she's going to get some good sleepwear. Uh, but as far as Tiffany goes, yeah, Tiffany Tiffany can go because I'm 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 over her. I don't need to see her anymore. If Wendy Chu goes to the local sleep number store and gets a bed off that card, 
and have a direct sponsorship with Sleep Number. That would be a win. The only saving grace from this feud. So, Scott, what are your thoughts? Um, Paul, what are your yeah. thoughts? I'm sorry. This Tiffany Stratton girl is really yeah. working my brain. But what are your thoughts on Tiffany Stratton, daddy's girl who gets on my goddamn nerves based on me confusing you for Scott? Fair enough. Um, so I will I will agree that the execution of this has not been good. Um, the the um, I, I don't even understand like when she came out. Okay, so ahead of time she offers her a uh, shopping spree. She offers Amari Miller a shopping spree if she can beat Wendy Chu, and then she comes out in the middle of the match and you know kind of gets to remind her, and then she throws her the credit card. Like, was it supposed to be a foreign object? Like this little credit card? Like, I like I don't even understand the logic of this. That said, I'm going to take the opposite approach of you two. And I'm not just doing it to be a contrarian. I do believe that in WWE, and specifically in NXT, she probably has a better chance of making an impact as daddy's girl, Tiffany Stratton, than just, you know, like, you know, like a gymnast, you know, that is just some random person, you know, so I think like you need a gimmick to stand out whether or not this is the right gimmick for her is remains to be seen. Um, you know, I mean, they, we've had a lot of one dimensional, I mean, I can go all the way back to like Lacey Evans, or Dana Brooke, you know, or, you know, all these and and they're just like, but when you have just like a regular wrestler, I mean that doesn't really work in WWE, especially with women. Um, you kind of you kind of need some sort of a thing to make you stand out, and so maybe this is it for her. From what I've seen in the ring, out of all these uh, women that they've had so far, she seems to be maybe the best one. Um, she's got some natural athletic ability. Um, it's just the gimmick. I mean, it it's bad. I mean, but. It, it, again, I, I do think, you know, it seems to be like maybe she's like a younger version of Frankie Monet. Um, so whatever plans they had for Frankie Monet, they're just going to transfer over to her is what I would assume. But I don't know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm I the fact that she's got this gimmick and that they've they're they're keeping with it tells me that they're invested in her. So I do think she's someone to pay attention to. I just hope that the execution is better going forward. I hope so too. I think she has a lot of potential as a wrestler, but the gimmick is so limiting. It's so one note and it doesn't really speak to who she really is. Now, if she had a better personality besides what we're seeing, then maybe I can go with it. But this is just so limiting and just so annoying. And she screams during her matches and it's so fake. I can't take it. And I'm trying here, but it's very difficult. So she is in my Von Wagner shit list until further notice. I'm sorry. I can't. I cannot. With her. We almost got through the NXT segment without mentioning Von Wagner. I will get to him later. All right. Ooh, I got things God to say dang. during my final closing segment. He ain't even in the notes, but Scott's you still devastated. got Von on him. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Hey, off the record notes, I still got something for him at the end of this episode. Will it be good or bad? Hmm, that's the question. As we, that it, you know what? He could surprise y'all on how he ends up on my list, but that's for towards the end of this episode. But let's get to the final segment of the show, the main event featuring Braun Breaker and Tomasa Ciampa teaming up together. Can they coexist against Legato the Phantasma? And this was a really good match. Braun Breaker, my goodness, so good at such a young age, and he's going to get better and evolve. Tomasa Chopper, a seasoned veteran, and Joaquin Wilde had a 
impact moment from years ago as he flew with absolute height and agility all the way halfway across the ring to the announce table. And the look on Santos Escobar's face was everything. He was like, whoa, well, he's dead. And I have to digest this news as he took a really nasty bump on that announce table as Breaker basically picked up Raul Mendoza for the Gorilla Press Slam for the win. And it is official that it will be Braun Breaker versus Santos Escobar for Vengeance Day going down next Tuesday, February 15th on Sci-Fi, not USA. Wow. That's definitely a choice by WWE. And that pretty much tells you where they think NXT is. Like, well, we're not going to even worry about the number on the 22nd. We don't care. We're just going to get the show out the way on the 15th with less eyeballs. I think that's a bad decision, but that's their call. But I'm looking forward to the match nonetheless. And I'm very happy, though, that on this night, Braun Breaker and Tomasa Ciampa coexisted. They got along. There was no beef, but I still don't trust Ciampa because as Paul mentioned earlier, he has a deep love, a deep yearning love for that NXT championship. <laughs> so, Paul, I, what are your thoughts on the main event of NXT 2.0? Well, um, I it feels like we're kind of going in, in on a treadmill here because this is how they kind of started and then you know then they had their matches and then now they're back together and it almost feels like uh they were the the match with braun breaker at um whenever it was that he was it new year's evil when he won the title um was the um was the blow off and then he was supposed to go to the main roster, but then he went to the main roster, had a couple matches and now he's back and they're like, well, what do we do with this guy? Oh, well, we'll just put him with Braun. And it's like, well, we already did that. And well, nobody's going to remember. Let's just do it. Um, Cause that seems to be like, they're exactly where they were before the title match, except now one guy's got the title and the other one doesn't. So if it's going to lead to another match between them, I mean, I would assume it'll be WrestleMania week, you know, the big, whatever it's going to be takeover or whatever they're going to call it stand and deliver i think um is so if that's where they're going great uh, in terms of the actual like match um so <laughs> it's funny my i had my grandson watching this match with me um it was on my birthday that i watched it um i watched it wednesday and he wanted to watch a wrestling match with me and i had this sitting on the dvr so we i threw it on and uh we're watching at the beginning and and it's braun breaker in there against joaquin wilde and and i and in joaquin wilde and raul mendoza were tagging in and out and they were getting the heat on braun and i was like which which of these guys do you like and and he picked joaquin wilde and i'm like well the guy in the colorful tights is the champion and he looks at me and he says well if he's a champion why is he getting beat <laughs> i'm like Wow, this kid could be a booker down the road. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it for different reasons than most people. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to Braun Breaker and uh, uh, Santos Escobar next week. And uh, you know, I, I just think like this guy Braun. I mean, just working with these great guys. Maybe we can get a Roderick Strong feud in there somewhere, and and Gunther, and uh, and then get this guy onto the main roster by SummerSlam, and and we got a big star on our hands. Yes. Can he be the guy to beat Roman Reigns for a championship? Oh. That would be fantastic. But I really want to see Braun Breaker break out Lucha moves on Santos Escobar. <laughs> that would be great because he pulls out something new every time he has a match on NXT. And I think their championship match would be no exception. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the main event of NXT 2.0 and Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa coexisting for now? 
I really enjoyed the main event. I think Legado del Fantasma is a, I think they're a really good tag team. I, you know, I think they kind of get lost in the shuffle because they, you know, NXT's tag team, they only focus on the champs and MSK. That's the only t- teams they really focus on. So I think they kind of get lost in the shuffle, but they do work really well. Uh, Raul Mendoza hit a real pretty, uh, like, double jump, uh, double springboard type uh, moonsault, or not even a moonsault, it was like a corkscrew splash that was real pretty. Uh, Breaker's got a great spear. I mean, that was a fantastic spear he laid on him. Um, this was a really good match. I, I like Champa and Braun as a team. I like that they threw in some tag team moves because they've teamed a few times now. I'm looking forward to Champa going back to the psycho killer whenever he does turn on Braun and, and really lay into him because I think that's what Braun needs. Because I, I don't like that Champa was walking in front of Braun. Little things like that, the presentation, you know. Paul, you brought up, I think you said your grandson you were watching it with, um, you know, noticing yeah. like Braun like Bron getting beat down in the corner. That should have been Champa. You know what I mean? Like when Braun's in the ring, he should be yeah. – the way they presented Gunther is, is how Braun Breaker should be presented against these two, you know, specifically against these two. Um, and, and so I think the presentation of Braun Breaker, they just got to be careful with that. He's not just a regular guy anymore. He's the champion, and he is a pillar. No question about it. He's a pillar. He's somebody that you build a company around. So you got to present him like that. Like Champa should be following him. And and maybe that's something they'll bring up in storyline. Like, hey, you follow me. I'm, I'm the champ because that's how it should be. So I think they need to be very careful about the presentation of Braun Breaker with Champa because it, Champa should not be on the same level. Braun Breaker should be levels above everyone right now in NXT. Absolutely. And maybe that's a storyline note they'll go back to because I don't think this feud is over by any stretch of the imagination, but a nice way to wrap up a pretty uneven episode of NXT 2.0 with romances, Ron Amuck and Mandy Rose basically being goaded into another championship match against Kaylee Ray this upcoming Tuesday, which we review right here on The Wrap next weekend. But now it's time to focus on... Friday Night Smackdown on Fox from a couple of days ago. And Paul Heyman had a lot of explaining to do and that he made quite the decision at the Warrior Rumble, forsaking his beast for his goat, for his tribal chief, Roman Reigns. And he basically said straight up, listen, I liked being a side piece. I love the fact I had Roman on one show, Brock on the other, both champs, but I missed my tribal chief. I missed him. I wanted to be by his side, but I love Brock too. But Brock got too greedy. He wanted two belts heading into WrestleMania. And I thought to myself, no, 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 you idiot. You overstep now. Now you're pissing off my tribal chief even more. And Paul had a revelation at the Royal Rumble when Roman speared Brock Lesnar and then Roman looked to Paul Heyman he looked at his side piece and said acknowledge me and Paul felt acknowledged in that moment felt loved felt forgiven for what he did in Chicago well over a month ago and now they're reunited it feels so good but I don't buy Paul being so monogamous with Roman Reigns I don't buy this for a second that it's all good that they're going to be reunited they're going to be together it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out heading into Wrestlemania I think Brock has many things to say between now and the big show so what are your thoughts Scott on Paul Heyman's explanation and where do we go from here when it comes to Paul's loyalty to his beast or his tribal chief i uh i appreciate paul Heyman really breaking it down like a true side piece 
Um, anyone who's ever had multiple women or multiple men at a time, multiple relationships, let's just throw it out there like that, multiple relationships at a time um, and have ever gotten attached to one of those people. And then you, you try to do too much and you end up blowing up everything and you end up with nobody um, or you end up with the one you want. You, you, this, this, this rang a bell. Uh, Paul Heyman is 100% a side piece for the rest of his life because that dude nailed it down. So either he's got some side chicks or he has been the side piece for a long, long time because this dude had the explanation ready on the spark notes. Um, this was a really good explanation. <laughs> I like how they broke it down. And uh, <clears throat> I, I enjoyed all of this. Um, I think this is just kind of what you needed. Now we can kind of move on to the next chapter of the story. Roman Reigns is faced during the entire thing. He kind of had a couple of times where he was looking like when Paul was saying, you know, I'm, I, I still love Brock Lesnar. I, I loved him. He was still my guy. And Roman would kind of take a minute, look, crumple <laughs> his face like, wait a minute, hold on turn that rewind bring it back you know and kind of think like wait are you still here dude i I get that you can't be loyal to nobody but like can you at least lie to my face like what is going on you ain't even lying to my face anymore about it um so all of that is really good Uh, it got us to where we were going next but um the explanation was needed glad we got it i think this act works really well together i'm glad paul Heyman's back with them and um the story's been good man i you know People can say what they want, but this story has been really good. I've enjoyed every turn they've taken so far. Yes, it's very overcomplicated, but I love it. And Paul Heyman, unlike on NXT 2.0, is finessing the art of the bromance to perfection. And he's teaching all of us how to really be a side piece in life. If you're ever stuck in that situation, make sure you play both sides and make sure the other side doesn't get too greedy with your time and your money. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Paul Heyman's explanation regarding why he forsaken his beast for the goat Roman Reigns? I I really like this uh, because what it did was it um, like they didn't just say like, oh, it was a swerve. And, you know, I, I was, you know, with him all along. In fact, he he flat out said that. And basically everything that happened was legit like everything that we saw on tv was a legitimate thing it wasn't some dastardly plan that he came up with it was him reacting to what happened and like a normal person would or like a paul Heyman would i should say you know and and everything had an internal logic that made sense and even for roman reigns it all made sense so why he would take him back why you know because hey you know what this guy i'd rather have him with even if i don't trust him and i don't like him i'd rather have him on my side than with with my opponent so you know and roman you know will stay with paul as long as it it suits his needs and as soon as it doesn't suit his needs anymore he'll dump him and i think even paul realizes that and he's cool with it um because he basically knows that based on what he did at the Royal Rumble, he's never getting back with Brock Lesnar again. So um, I'm talking about this like it's, you know, like it's actual, you know, like relationships. And then it, because that's how it's written and it's great. And like you said, it's, it is actually a romance, a bromance uh, done correctly and believably. And uh, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. And it just hits different every time the bloodline comes yeah. out together, like the crew reunited it just feels good when roman's out there alone it doesn't feel right when you got paul and you got the usos they got the belts and the t-shirt without paul's x on the face (laughs) it looks so much better so i'm really happy they're reunited for now and then we thought it was going to be a nice easy breezy opening segment then we get 
Goldberg's music hitting. He returns, pyro smoke and all, and he wants to acknowledge Roman Reigns as his next victim, heading into their long-awaited by two years match for the Universal Championship at Elimination Chamber in a couple of weeks' time in Saudi Arabia. And you know what? I am fine with this. I am not a big fan. I'm going to be real. I'm not a big fan of Goldberg just rolling up randomly saying, I want championship matches after you lost back-to-back WWE title matches to Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley last year. How dare you just jump ahead of everybody and says, I got next on Roman Reigns. Obviously, it's for the check. I respect the bag that Goldberg's getting his presumed last bag in WWE under this current contract. But let's just be done with it. I'm ready for this to be over two years in the making because a worldwide pandemic hit and Roman says, I'm out. Peace, deuces. I'll see you on the flip side. And Goldberg lost to, in a lifetime ago, Braun Strowman at the PC, empty style, nearly two years ago. And those are memories I just wish to forget, but I remember it because the match was really bad. And now we get to run it back. Georgia Tech versus Georgia, redone for the 21st century, and may the Yellow Jacket win. So what are your thoughts on this matchup, Paul, heading into Elimination Chamber? I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, the the best thing about this is that we're only going to see it for like three weeks. So, uh, or two, really. So, I mean, because of that, like, he's not going to wear out his welcome like he tends to do. Goldberg, I mean. Roman Reigns sold it perfectly. Um, you know, it's like this old guy, but he's still dangerous and and roman knows it and you know he knows he's gonna win but he also knows that he could you know he could take some hurt and and this was a match that was supposed to happen two years ago so you know they can justify it that way uh you know not that they need to but they did bring it up you know this match was supposed to happen two years ago and and it didn't and now we're gonna see it and it's spear versus spear it's yeah georgia versus georgia i didn't even occur to me and you know that's obviously holds a special place for you keila uh on some level so i'm uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to this i mean it's gonna be harmless it, you know it'll be a standard uh goldberg match it's a nice easy payday for roman and uh and then we can get on to the uh real match at wrestlemania I agree. And I have no real dog in this fight. I will root for Roman because that's the right thing to do because, you know, hey, it's Roman Reigns. But fortunately, we are two years removed from the original matchup and Roman Reigns is completely different on a whole new God mode level versus where he was well over two years ago, which was a guy getting booed out of the building because his babyface push sucked. So, Scott, what about this redo officially of Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at long last in Saudi Arabia? I said it in the uh, in the Facebook group. I think this is a great use of Goldberg. I mean, why why not use him in the Elimination Chamber title match again? Just like with Lita with Becky Lynch, you know the title's not going to change here. So, why not have a nice big name? For Roman to add to his belt, somebody that has beaten Brock Lesnar, some you know something that he can talk about. You know he gets a nice win. Um, Goldberg gets to get a nice reaction. People are going to be chanting his name. He gets a great reaction live. So you're going to have a good atmosphere. It's going to be quick. You're going to get Goldberg's going to spear him two, three times. It's probably going to go just like the Brock Lesnar match, except Roman's going to kick out. And then hit him with a couple Supermans and then probably choke him out. But I expect the opening to be just like the Brock Lesnar Survivor Series match to make you think, "Uh uh-oh, he's got a shot. So I would expect a spear right off the bat, just throwing that out there, just like the Brock Lesnar match. But yeah, 
I mean, I don't understand how people can complain about this match because if they were to throw like a if they were to throw Big E out there or Kofi or somebody or uh you know whoever people would be like oh why are you wasting or Shinsuke they'd be like why are you wasting them why are you wasting them on Roman but then you throw Goldberg out there and people are like oh why is Goldberg getting the shot and it's like it doesn't matter who's like why not use a big name right here why wouldn't you use a big name right here you know what the end game is so you know this match really doesn't matter. Why waste it on a matchup with a talent that you can save when you can when you got Goldberg right there? Like you know, like I said, like we always say, Kevin Owens is right there. Goldberg's right here, so we're gonna use him. I mean, <laughs> it's only logical. He's right there. Why don't you use him? So I appreciate WWE using logic and letting Roman Reigns beat Goldberg. Now, if Goldberg somehow beats Roman Reigns. I will tell you this. I will not watch WWE. I I promise you I will (laughs) stop watching WWE if Goldberg beats Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. I can tell you that. Um, But they're not going to. They're not. They're not stupid. They may be crazy sometimes, but they're not flat out stupid. So um, this is fine. Yeah, I'm cool with this too. And ultimately, it's like a way to avoid that dreaded March pay-per-view. There is not going to be a roadblock to WrestleMania. There's no fast lane because then you know the outcome is pretty academic. This is academic with more money on the line for Goldberg so he can lose, get paid, and maybe be at WrestleMania against my next subject matter, which will be Big E. Because, you know, it's been a month since day one in Atlanta when he lost the WWE Championship to Brock Lesnar and to quote Scott Kevin Owens was right there, right there for the pinfall, <laughs> right there in the vicinity to be pinned. But no, Big E had to really take the pinfall in this match. And I am trying to hold on to hope, resolve that WWE will eventually do right by W, but will do right by Big E. I'm hoping that WWE yeah. does right by him. It's it's hard to believe that because look at the Warrior Rumble. Because Shane McMahon, the executive producer, thought, okay. Let's get Biggie over by eliminating him quickly, courtesy of Randy Orton. I know Kofi missed the barricade spot and he was supposed to do spots in the match, but just the dismissal of Biggie in such a flat way and Shane McMahon lasting longer than Biggie in this Rumble match just really irks me because he was the executive producer of this match. That's why he got fired the next damn day. But I look at SmackDown this past Friday night. He's in Move Back to the Blue brand with the New Day. And that makes me happy and sad because I love the New Day, but I don't want Big E in a tag team right now. I don't want the Usos and New Day again at WrestleMania. I love the matchup, but we've seen it too many times. So I really want more for Big E. I know he has no shot right now against Roman Reigns, and that's fine. But when you're away from the championship scene, you do want a better landing spot, something that you can really sink your teeth into, and I don't see that right now. Despite the great match they had against Los Estorios this past past Friday, one of the few good things on this show. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the presentation of Big E post-WWE championship run, and do you dare hope, do you dare dream that he does not get Kofi'd at the end of this? So I, you know, it hasn't been good, obviously. You know, they definitely haven't done as good of a job, like per se, like a Bobby Lashley after his run. Um, But as far as this New Day thing, I know people are not happy about him being back in the tag team, and I definitely get it and completely understand it. But, you know, there can be a light at the end of this tunnel. You know, the reaction he got during this match when he got the hot tag and when he was running wild, you could tell there was something different about it. Like, he, I feel like 
him having that main event run, I feel like he is elevated. You know, he's not where we want him to be, no doubt. But he does feel elevated. Like, Kofi feels like a bigger deal because he's associated with Big E. You know what I mean? Like, when Big E gets in the ring at the end with the hot tag, it feels like a bigger deal than it did before. So my hope is that whenever Xavier Woods comes back, that, you know, him and Kofi have a talk and they're like, look, Big E, it's, it's, time, to, it's time to go back and do your thing. You know, and and then he goes back and goes back to his singles run because I, I think he can still get over as a singles guy doing the tag team with Kofi. I mean, a lot of guys have gotten over the most in tag teams. Think about when Daniel Bryan got over the most. He was in his tag team with Team Hell No. That's when he really started to get that that yes moving and everything going. Like that's when he really was getting over to the point people wanted to see him in the title picture. Cesaro when he was with the Bar. That's when people were really like, or I'm sorry, not even with the Bar, with the Americans with Jack Swagger. That's when he was really starting to get oh, the yeah. people behind him. The tag, you can get a guy over in a tag team. Big E could just be that guy when he comes in. The weight. Like, the Gunther presentation is the template for so many things. That's how you present Big E. When he comes in the ring, he just wrecks shop. Unless it's somebody like a, a yeah. Drew McIntyre or a Roman Reigns on the other side, when he goes in there, he wrecks shop and nobody messes with him. That's how you keep him special while keeping him with that tag team with Kofi until Xavier comes back. That's what I would do with him, and that's how you can – you can keep him special, man, because I, I, I mean, you, you have, he could be a pillar. He's still young enough where he could be a pillar. So that's what I would do with him to keep him relevant, to keep him important, and to keep fans like, yeah, he's going to be ready whenever he does go back on a singles run. I loved everything you said. I have little faith in any of it, <laughs> but I love what you said. I really do. And I had the feels of 2014 Cesaro, all the memories of that when he was getting over and then WWE did nothing with it. So memories are not great in terms of that. But Paul, I heard you sigh as if, please, Keela, don't have faith in them to really do right by Big E. But do you dare hope? Do you dare dream that Big E will be a pillar unlike Dominic Mysterio in WWE long term? Well, I, I think he is a pillar. Um, you know, he might already be, you know, the, 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 but the problem is, is, you know, they don't treat their pillars the same way, you know, the other company does. Um, so, you know, in their eyes, a pillar could, you know, they could lose like a lot and that's just fine, you know, unless their name is Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Um, and so for me, like, yeah, I mean, my first reaction when I heard this was, you know, I was disappointed, but then. You know, when I really think about it and when you think about it the way Scott did and, and while he was talking, you know, I just had some things rolling through my brain. And, you know, I, I thought back to, you know, even in the other company, you know, Hangman and Kenny Omega were a tag team and they were the tag team champions. And then they both spun off into becoming the world champions. So you can do it. And they've shown how you can do it. And and even, you know, like he said, now you've got two former world champions that are going to be a tag team. And I know that, you know, the Usos had the match with the New Day, you know, earlier in the, in the year where, you know, they had to win or they would never get a title shot again as long as the Usos were the champions. I believe that was a stip. But I don't know if that if that qualifies, if it has to if it's only Kingston and Woods. So does that mean Big E could get it? Because if that if that's the case, then you know if we get Big E and Kofi against the Usos at WrestleMania, like that's a big match, and it could steal the show. 
And really, is that a worse showcase than him, you know, like maybe just being in an undercard singles feud, you know, with, you know, Baron Corbin or, uh, you know, Mad Cat Moss or, you know, on the other side, you know, The Miz or something, you know, like, I think this is a better spot for him right now. And then once, you know, WrestleMania passes and all the legends are gone and then they can elevate him again, maybe he wins the Intercontinental title. And or, you know, maybe he gets another world title run and, uh, you know, and then kind of carries the company again through the Survivor Series when all the big stars come back. <laughs> that would be our only hope. And I will say that there is one match that would redeem this slight push of Biggie in my eyes. And that would be his dream match against Goldberg at WrestleMania. Ooh. That would be the Ooh. biggest make good to fight his idol, his hero, to big meaty men bumping meat the showcase <laughs> for five good minutes i would personally love that if goldberg was to retire after this year biggie should be the man to receive the torch from goldberg as the next man up that would be a beautiful wrestlemania moment wow. and a redeemable aspect of this push no that would be pretty cool i, I i'd definitely wow. be here i never that. thought of that that's yeah. awesome Yes, and Biggie's emotions would be like everything because he loves Goldberg, and that would be the one match that would be the ultimate make good for whatever happened at day one in Atlanta. So here's hoping WWE listens to this idea and they really run with it. That would be a nice way to give Biggie that extra little nudge heading into WrestleMania season. As we segue into the main event of Friday Night SmackDown featuring Ronda Rousey's WrestleMania decision. And I did not like the fact that WWE tried to serve us saying, Becky Lynch told us that she was going to have a match with Ronda at WrestleMania and they're going to do the contract signing on Monday. I'm, I'm like, did Ronda, you know, not make it to SmackDown? Is there a snowstorm? Which it was in Oklahoma City. Like, are they telling us she's not here and they're swerving us deliberately? Thankfully, Ronda Rousey showed up. And the moment she smiled and she high-fived the fans, I'm like, there is the Ronda Rousey of 2018 and 2019. The smiling baby face with that badass edge and a happier, brighter mood. Paul Heyman's there backstage at SmackDown. He's really hands-on with her promos. And this was night and day in terms of what she was doing on Monday Night Raw, which was a hot, ass mess and i had no faith in this decision whatsoever but she came through in the clutch she picked charlotte flair expectedly as her wrestlemania opponent for the smackdown women's championship and charlotte flair picks the most interesting outfits to wear for moments like this <laughs> she decides to wear a ballroom dress for this she's doing the tango in this outfit and she's got high heels on so i knew she wasn't going to take a bump but the highlight was sonya deville trying to big time Ronda Rousey saying, I'm the head bitch in charge. I run shit here. You need to get out of my ring. I tell you what to do. Ronda says, no bitch, thought out the way. Let me get to um, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte scampers in those high heels as quickly as possible out of the ring. And Sonya hops on the back of Ronda Rousey. I'm like, well, girlfriend, you're done for. Samoan drop, arm bar, and she taps out immediately. And I thought to myself, okay, so Ronda Rousey has zero fucks to give about authorities and any role that people play in WWE in terms of a suit. Does Naomi get a hall pass now? Can I touch Sonya now? Am I allowed to beat her ass on site? The answer is probably no, as WWE will most likely suspend Ronda Rousey indefinitely oh. to keep her off TV for a bit. But I had high hopes in the moment that, hey, just maybe Naomi can whoop that ass because Sonya just got dished out 
immediately by Ronda Rousey, which which made this ending and it went for me despite the swerve from WWE early on saying that Becky Lynch took the match over Charlotte Flair, but that was not the case. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on the closing segment of SmackDown as Ronda Rousey got back to being herself after whatever the hell that was on Monday Night Raw? I... Uh... I can't, you just called it. Like, that's totally what's going to happen. They're going to suspend her, and we're not going to see her for a month or something because of, of what she did to uh, Sonya, which kind of bums me out now. But, yeah, um, I I loved that, you know, the um, the closing segment there. Like, Ronda was just on another level uh, from what, you know, this was the Ronda that was feuding with Becky Lynch back in, you know, whatever year it was, 2018. Um, she, you know, she just had fire she is but the difference is is that you know she's got the fans behind her and she's going to feed off that and what she was doing was all designed to get her cheered and she's in there against a perfect person um and sonia played her role um you know which again plays off of everything now the, the only thing like i think maybe the reason she could possibly get away with it is because sonia attacked her first um she was just basically like ignoring like it's almost like sonia wasn't even there until she jumped on her back and then she's like wow screw this and then you know just took her out which uh you know she deserved so um i yeah i i'm i i'm really looking forward to what they do here because a happy ronda is a good ronda and you know if the fans are behind her like this is gonna have to carry night one of wrestlemania so we need heat and uh you know people hate charlotte so now they gotta love ronda and uh and this was a good start indeed so scott what are your thoughts on the closing segment of smackdown as ronda rousey found her smile once again so I'm, I'm gonna say something that a lot of people aren't gonna like but i man i thought this kind of felt like a, a main event this felt like a wrestlemania main event with flair and, and rousey out there like i i'm excited about this match i really i think this was the right call to hold off on the becky lynch match i, I just think that's the smart thing to do um i think you build to that you let becky lynch just talk her talk on raw you let her just talk her talk. You let her just be her and talk her smack. Like, I know we not know this has nothing to do, but like her just like this little thing, like her coming out and calling her a weirdo on Monday night. Like, that was fantastic. Like, those little things like that, just let her come out and do stuff like that. And that'll build the match. And Rousey can just go and do her thing on the other side, just killing people. And so I, I'm here for this. This was great. I'm not as big of a fan of Rousey as the babyface as most. I get she has to play that against Charlotte Flair. I prefer her as just the killer who went in there and was just trying to snap people. Like Pentagon from uh, uh, from um, uh, what's it, Lucha Underground, the way he was just breaking people's arms. That's how I kind of wanted Ronda Rousey to come back in. Like the way she was Monday night without the you know, uninterested part, but the way she was like, I'm just here to do this and go home. Like that's how she, that's how I wanted her to be except with a little bit more aggression, but we're going to get the baby face Rhonda, which is fine. I hope that doesn't last long. And I hope this turns Becky back baby face and we get Rhonda back as a heel. But I thought this was fine. I, I, I'm, I think this feels like a big deal. This feels like a, a main event match uh, because flair has been presented like that. Rousey has been presented like that. And it's rare that WWE has two people that actually feel like main eventers, who shouldn't take a loss, but you know one of them is. So it's it's a rare thing to have. So I appreciate that. 
Yeah, and I will go back to Survivor Series 2018. They had a great match. Their intensity was next level, and I thought Charlotte Flair really brought out the best in Ronda Rousey in that setting. They can do it again because I think they have a unique intensity with each other. If they're going to just beat the hell out of each other, I'm going to dig it. I did love the dig Charlotte had saying that my baby, my championship belt is prettier than yours, and that caused Ronda to snap. That was great, and that turn of like, let me take off my jacket. Let me get ready to whoop this bitch's ass because you don't talk about my kid that way. I just love that. That Ronda, I love. The only thing with the mean mugging on Monday was just felt like she didn't want to be there. And I just want her to be joyful of the moment. And I didn't feel that on Monday. I definitely felt that on SmackDown on Friday night. She felt happy to be there. And the fans love you right now. When the fans turn on you, then you can just say F y'all and just move on. But if they love you in the moment, if they really are down to pay a ticket to see you, which they did on Monday Night Raw, and they did again on SmackDown, they pay money to see you and they pay money to cheer you, just go with it. And when the day comes for it, a few with Becky Lynch, then you could be mean mugging. Then you can be the heel that you're meant to be. But you never know how this Becky thing is going to go between now and next year, which should be more over in a year's time. We'll see. But this Ronda Rousey was so much more refreshing versus whatever that was on Monday Night Raw, which was a hot ass mess. And, and I do and would just that, like to point out that uh, Sonya Deville. Yes. Um, can we can we just talk about how it, why it couldn't be Naomi get her, her her reparations against her? Why it had to be Ronda? I, I just I just, I'm just saying, man. Like we three month, we three days into Black History Month, and Naomi, you know, she ain't getting nothing. That was coming. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Like you know, like yeah. they, they not slick, man. They not slick. Oh. You know, Rhonda gets to be the one to she take Sonya not- out. Like they're not slick. I know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, she she got something. She got a world title match. She got a world title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. <laughs> they're not slick, man. They are She's not like, slick. Oh my god, I was. I, I could we like oh, could, like the way that happened. Like I don't think I've ever seen a worse build up for a world title match <laughs> in my life. Terrible. She, they're sitting there, and she says, "She says I'm going to give you a world title match." And and Naomi looks at her like, "I don't want it." And then she's like, "I don't believe you." It's like <laughs> what? <laughs> like I don't believe you. And then and then Adam Pierce is like, "Oh, that's a good idea. I guess we'll do it." And she's like, "Okay, I believe you." And then she just walks off, and she's like. Like she's weird, even care. man. It's just weird. Yeah, I, I, I just oh um, my god. But that's her comeuppance, I guess. She gets a world title match, and that was the punishment. Her punishment <laughs> is that she gets a world title match with Charlotte Flair. It's absolutely ridiculous. How dare she? How yeah. dare she get this match? But I will yeah. say, when Ronda Rousey went after Sonya Deville, in in that moment, that exact moment, I was Scott. Like, yeah, okay. You check the calendar. I checked the calendar. (laughs) I said it's February 4th, 2022. And after all this time, Ronda Rousey is the one to say, fuck the rules. I'm beating this bitch's ass. Naomi, it was right there. You think Roman Reigns couldn't pay the fine? You think he couldn't pay the fine and say, go ahead and do what you need to do? Like, that's that's what got me because we have waited for so long to say someone forget this jacket i'm gonna beat her ass and i thought to myself scott's like this is some bullshit on black history month on the third day (laughs) on the fourth day on the fifth day on this on this sixth day of black history month this is what happens naomi does not get a reparation still she gets a title match but she prefers whooping Sonya's ass, and that's where her priorities lie on Friday Night SmackDown. On Fox. Well, maybe maybe she'll beat maybe she'll beat Charlotte, and 
then she gets a match with Ronda. <laughs> hey, we all we all know what's gonna happen next week to Naomi. We all know she going to make Charlotte look good and to take oh. that L. So this, she ain't getting no reparations. Oh, I, I, she ain't getting nothing back. I should check. The, I should check the odds. Oh wait, it's it's fifty to one for uh, Naomi. I should put ten bucks on Naomi. <laughs> Let's see if Paul shows up broke. The next time he's on the show, now you know why. Just letting you yeah. know. If I show up rich, it's because Naomi beat Charlotte Flair <laughs> and she's going to WrestleMania. Oh my God. Well, we shall see y'all next week. We'll be right we'll be we'll be back here recapping that stellar title change that Paul is predicting. I doubt it's gonna happen. They're not gonna blow up the plans because Fox says so, but we'll get to that momentarily in the very near future but before we wrap up the show it's very important that we dive into our favorite discussion our guilty pleasure and the one thing you should avoid at all costs dear listeners that one thing from wwe that we say hell no to and that one thing we say hell yes to so paul what is that one thing from wwe that you love that you shouldn't have loved and that one thing that you hated with every fiber of your being well since you guys didn't do uh, a, a traditional show last week because it was a Royal Rumble recap. I am gonna I'm gonna go back into the last two weeks, and and the, this extends across the two weeks for both of my picks. And so for my thing that my guilty pleasure, and I don't even have to feel too guilty about it. It's happy go lucky Brock Lesnar um, on Raw. I just like on so on two weeks ago now almost like the the go home show for the rumble he comes out for the weigh-in segment and Corey graves is out there and he's like oh aren't you gonna take some of that stuff off and he looks at him and he says mr graves do you want to see me naked <laughs> i howled at that just the delivery that he did i did not do it justice but it was just so great and it was because it made no sense like what difference does it make if he's wearing clothes or not like and he's just having fun with it and then the whole bobby who stuff and then that carried over to this week he comes out he's bebopping down to the ring he doesn't give two shits that paul Heyman turned on him he's just having the time of his life he wants to fight bobby bobby's like no he's like okay fine you know but i'm gonna win anyway it's like he just doesn't have a care in the world and i just i just love happy go lucky brock lesnar skipping down to the ring in his saskatchewan fur and uh, it's just wonderful um now for my avoid at all costs again i'm gonna go back to um uh, two weeks ago um well it was actually like maybe like a week and a half ago it was 205 live um, I just watched it today, but it actually aired on Friday, the day before the Royal Rumble. And I saw the debut of a uh, new WWE announcer, uh, Sudu Shah, who is actually really good. Um, I've never heard, seen or heard of him before. I, I didn't know they hired a new announcer, but he was really good. And he had the absolute worst wrestling show that I ever recall seeing. This should, Matt, this show had Josh Briggs against Damon Kemp, who is uh, Gable Stevenson's little brother, uh, or big brother, I guess. Draco. Valentina right? Faraz and you, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, Damon Kemp. Valentina Faraz and Ulyssa Leone against Amari Miller and Lash Legend in a tag team match. And the main event was Joe Gacy and Draco Anthony. Now you listen to those three matches and you wonder which of those matches do you think they gave the most time to? If you guessed Valentina Faraz and Ulyssa Leon against Amari Miller and Lash Legend, you would be <laughs> correct. 
this match was horrifying. And somehow they decided, like, it says here that it went six and a half minutes. It felt like 15. And it was horrible. As bad as it sounds on paper, this is, like, this is the worst match of the year if anybody actually watched it. And I may be the only person in North America that watched it. But um, avoid it at all costs. If you happen to see it, just skip it. Delete it from your PBR. Cancel your network before you have to watch it. Oh, um, this 205 Live was horrible. Unless you just want to hear Sudu Shaw, then just watch the main event because it was only five minutes. And Joe Gacy and Draco Anthony was fine. A peacock recommendation. This was not courtesy of Paul Fontaine. Now I got to see it just to see how bad it was. But my goodness. Oh. Does not well, you know what? Good. If you want to see... A, actually, I'll tell you this. It was the week before. This is so far my actually my worst match of the year. Lash Legend and Fallon Henley on 205 Live from the week before. Oh. Uh, uh, episode number 267 on your on Peacock if you want to watch it. Oh, man. I have a torture watch that if I want to really get some entertainment in. Yeah, it's oh, horrible. Oh, it's man. horrible. Lash Legend is not good. No, not ready And she's a monster. Time. Like, she is so big, like, compared to these other women. It's crazy to see it. And, and it really stands out in this tag team match. Oh, man, I'm pulling for Lash Legend, but sometimes WWE puts people on TV and or Peacock before they're ready. So, Scott, what are your guilty pleasures and the one thing we should avoid at all costs this week? So, you know, I had actually had a few guilty pleasures. You know, I found Veer. So that's always a good thing when you can when you can find him. He's <laughs> he's still coming to Raw, but I found him on the cock. So that you got that going for you. Um, well, that. That's probably going to get clipped. Um, you know, then there's there's the uh, KO Theory had a really good match. But, you know, for me, I think my my guilty pleasure for the week, the one thing I really enjoyed the most, I thoroughly enjoyed the Cameron Grimes, uh, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams promo exchange. I really liked that. Um, I liked how Cameron Grimes was talking to Trick Williams and then was like, but at the end of the day, who am I going to be wrestling? Like, Cameron Grimes has really kind of – he's – really walked that fine line of using his comedy but really becoming serious when he needs to like especially when it's for big matches and big moments so I like what they've done with Grimes I think Carmelo Hayes has been fantastic Trick Trick is the man Trick you know bump that trick he's got his own chant and he doesn't even wrestle so he's got that going for him already so I really enjoyed that I, I would actually go out of my way to watch that the one thing I would avoid at all costs, but I say that, but then I almost want you to watch it because it's so bad. But Nikki Lyons, um, whatever the rapping, singing thing was that she did, whatever that was, where, where she, I, that was one of the worst things I have ever heard in my entire life. Those are not bars. Those are noodles. Um <laughs> You can't do anything with those. You can't put those on a track. You can't listen to them because, oh my gosh. I mean, that was that was really one of the worst segments I've ever seen in my entire life. And that was on national, I, I think that was on national television or maybe I just saw it on YouTube. I mean, on uh, Twitter, but I saw it. And that was the worst thing I saw all week, no question. Um, so if you want to see something really bad or you want to, if you want to give your enemy something really bad to watch, send them this <laughs> Nikki Lyons rapping, singing, whatever it is, because it is bar none the worst. This is the one where they were advertising her as coming soon, right? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Right. I actually saw her wrestle a match against Erica Yawn on uh, 205 Live a few weeks ago. Uh, I watch everything. And she's actually not bad, believe it or not, in the ring. So. Oh, I can, I can 100% guarantee she's better in the ring than she is at rapping or singing because there's no <laughs> way she could be worse at that. Let me tell you. Let me. T- I'm telling you, man, that is the worst thing I have ever heard in my life. Terrible. Terrible. I got to hear it now. I gotta oh, hear yes. It now. So I have to go opposites day with Scott because Nikita Lyons was my guilty pleasure this <laughs> week. Not only, <laughs> not only, not only, not only for the bat rap, but her introductory promo on NXT 2.0, because she says, and I swear this is what she said with a straight face. My father was a rock star and my mom was a beautiful groupie. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. <laughs> And she said, and look what they did. They made me. I'm like, your mom. (laughs) Now, your mom, like, she had no shame in her game. She saw what she wanted, and she got it, and they smashed, and they made you. And I've had this argument in the past about how in NXT, everybody does not consider professional wrestling as their primary career goal in life. I am a rapper by trade. I am a singer. I'm in the booth. I'm rapping in my Blue Yeti. I'm giving you nothing in terms of bars and talent but i'm i'm trying to make it in wwe like can she just be a wrestler can't she just do that why make her be a rapper when she has no bars but i love that for her groupie mom that was beautiful apparently she was a beautiful groupie and that's all that matters they smashed and they made her and for that it's a blessing (laughs) as for my avoidable i just i just realized something Yes. I just realized what you're... Oh, wow. Yes. we got rap history coming here. <laughs> Scott hasn't figured it out yet. Has he figured it out? What it is? Well, my worst this week goes to Scott's favorite person, Von Wagner. And there was this segment that was a vignette backstage with Robert Stone from the Robert Stone brand. And Von Wagner, <laughs> he just stared into the camera. And for maybe 15 glorious seconds, it felt like he had a genuine connection with the camera. And then he got allergic and he just <laughs> malfunctioned. And Robert Stone is trying to sell me on this guy being a threat being a force and all I saw was a guy that was scared to death to be there and I'm really pulling for Vaughn but for 15 seconds those baby blues were focused on something and then they just veered like veer coming to Monday Night Raw but it was just a horrifying sight but hey Vaughn Wagner y'all Scott's boy he makes an impression every single week on 2.0 I actually thought that was pretty good until he decided to speak. <laughs> I thought he was fine until he decided to talk. He should have just kept good. his mouth closed. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, Vaughn, I'm kind of getting lost in the eyes. And then he said something like, fuck. Yeah. Ruined the whole idea. But yes, so those are our guilty pleasures and our avoid at all costs picks of the week. Check out Nikita Lyons track now streaming on 
NXT 2.0 somewhere. Oof. I will say that she's better than Ollie J that performed a couple of weeks ago. Oh, is she? On 2.0. Is she? That, yes. Yes. Mm, so I don't I, know. I, I don't uh, know. <laughs> it's close. It's I just, close. I, uh, I'll be on. I'll be honest. I'm just watching with the mute button on. So <laughs> you you did yourself a it's favor. Much more enjoyable that way. You did yourself a favor. Yeah, it's much. Yeah, favor. You I sure did. did. Hey, that's. I shouldn't talk. That's uh. That's uh. Carmelo's uh. Side piece now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're they're like, hey, she's gonna be all NXT very soon. Good for her. But she had no presence. I will say Nikita had a bit more, a touch more presence in the booth, even though those bars were awful. Who wrote them, I do not know. But hey, everybody's got to have a side hustle on this show. And with that, this wraps up another episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I want to thank Scott and Paul for joining me, per the usual, for a lot of laughs and shade along the way. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. It's always a blast. Don't worry, Keila. I won't be leaving you hanging anymore on these. You ain't got to worry. You ain't got to worry. I knew, I knew there was, I saw that, that drip of sweat coming off your brow. Don't worry. I, I'm here for you. You do not have to worry. I got you. Now, this was great. Um, it was fun to have Paul back on the show. Uh, he hasn't been on in a while, so this was cool. And uh, yeah, looking forward to next week. Hopefully, uh, we'll see who gets fired from WWE next week. Because, I mean, Shane McMahon's on the table. Who knows who's coming next week? Yeah, I, I had to. Uh, I always miss the the notifications in the Slack when, when you guys are looking for uh, third chairs. So I had to reserve this week out of churn. And thank you for having me. Uh, this is I always have so much fun doing this show. And I enjoy listening to it as well. So uh, I look forward to uh, you guys' reviews of uh, Elimination Chamber and uh, uh, whatever that NXT show is. I can't keep these straight. Um, but uh, whatever it is next next week. Um, so thank you. And check out the uh, Cup of Joe with Grandpa Dez show. Scott Young did it a little while ago. Hoping to have Keelan at some point. I had a big show with Dave Meltzer uh, this week. And I got some guests lined up for next week. We're going to we're gonna review just one of the guys uh, with Christy Petrillo this coming week. And that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that movie, check it out. Uh, apparently it's when Jeremy Finestone first saw boobies. So... I'll leave you with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he said it, not me. And even and even that has more depth than all of the romances on NXT 2.0. Hey, let's bring it all back. Let's bring Gaga, it back full Gaga, circle. Gaga, Romama. <laughs> oh, man. With that bad romance note, as we circle it back to the very beginning, this is a wrap on this wrap for Scott, for Paul, and myself. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>